Our scripture this morning comes out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, Mary Nethercutt is coming to read our scripture for us this morning. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you would like to follow along in your own Bibles, you're invited to do so. They're in front of you in the pew Bibles there in front of you. It's found on page 772 if you would like to follow along. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind the cross. May my words be your words on this day. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. I have had a lot of church experience. You would, you would expect as a pastor that I would have had a lot of church experience. Well, I went back this past week and looked and counted the number of churches that I've attended on Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings alone. This is not including the probably 80 to 100 to 100 churches that, I have, that, I've, uh, that, that I've been to that where it's not a Sunday morning, maybe at a, at a funeral or an evening worship service or at some sort of meeting. I have, I have been to 39 different churches in my life on Sunday mornings. And now those 39 churches, uh, those were in five different states. They were in four different countries, and they include nine that I have been uh, heavily involved with. I've been involved with nine churches uh, since, I was, since I was born, and I, I've been heavily involved with them. And I've had some really good experiences in churches, and I've had some um, really bad <laughs> experiences in churches. I have been in a. I've been in a, heavily involved in a church of three people, uh, and I have been uh, to church with uh, more than five thousand people on a Sunday. I, I've been uh, again all shapes and sizes, and I and I've, and again, no matter the size of church, I've I've had some good experiences and I've had some some bad experiences. I've even been a part of probably creating bad experiences in churches as well. I've had some bad experiences. One church that I was heavily involved with, we did not have a piano player at this church. We didn't have, it, we didn't have a piano player. We didn't have an organist. We didn't have a, 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 any kind of musician at all. 
And we sang those hymns really, really slow. And, and to top it all off, a, a, a woman who is um, in her mid-50s, uh, she, was a, um, she was a very simple person. She uh, was the um, song leader at this church. She would walk all the way from the very back pew, and when it was time to sing the next song, she would shuffle her way up all the way to the front of the church, and she would lead us in singing. The problem was that she was absolutely and completely tone deaf. It was, uh, worship in that church was, was very, was very difficult. It was, it was not a good church experience. I, I was also at a, a part of another church that had um, yellow jacket wasps that would hibernate in the ceiling of this church. And, and it was typically, it was, it was fine in the summertime. They had, they had already been killed or they had already flown outside. However, uh, and, and in the wintertime, they would hibernate in the ceiling of that church. But if you've been around yellow jacket, uh, uh, yellow jacket wasps, you know what happened in the, in the springtime. They come, out of, they come out of hibernation. And so every Sunday during the springtime, you knew that we hadn't had church until you, start, until you started seeing uh, yellow jacket wasps start, start dropping down out of, out of the ceiling of that church. And I even saw in this little church, I even saw uh, one or two of the older gentlemen in the church with a fly swatter in their hand standing on the pew as the preacher is preaching, swatting yellow jacket wasps. I have had some, some, bad, some bad church experiences. And again, I've even, I've even been a part of, of creating some of those bad church experiences. I have been a part of, of high churches, and I have been a part of low churches. I have been in churches where there were friendship cliques, and there were weird and annoying people. And I have been a part of churches that were extremely boring. I have been in churches where I set in someone else's pew. I have been in churches where I parked in someone else's parking spot. I've been in a church where I walked in the front door and walked in, walked in the wrong door and I walked into the front of the sanctuary as well. I was, I was raised in church. I was born into the life of the church. I think I have a picture um, maybe of my uh, my clicker, I don't think, is working today. I have a, a picture of, my, uh, of me as a little bitty baby. Uh, I was maybe just a couple of weeks old whenever um, someone took this picture. It, me as the little baby and my mom and dad and my grandmother there and the preacher behind us. It was the day of, of my, um, we did dedications back then in my home church. We didn't do a whole lot of uh, infant baptisms, but I was dedicated on this day. I was, I was born into the life of the church. I, I know the church like the back of my hand. I know the church inside and, and, and out. I, I, I would have thought, I would have thought that by now I would have this thing called church figured out. As many churches I've, as I've been a part of, I would have thought by the, by the age of 47, I would have had this thing called church figured out. But today we're continuing our sermon series dealing with um, dealing with um, this, this thing called life, and we, we recognize that we have one chance at this thing called life, one chance. 
And whether we are, whether we are seven years old or 27 years old or, or 47 years old like I am, uh, right around mid, midlife, or if we're 87 years old, there are some things that we have to get figured out. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at love and we recognized that we better get love figured out. We better get it figured out. Some of us think, well, well, we'll get this whole thing figured out when we get a little bit older. We better get figured out now what it is to love our enemies. We better get that figured out. We better get it figured out what it means to love our neighbors as well. And who is our neighbor? We better get that, we better get that figured out. We, again, we may think, well, I've got a long time to get that. You, you, will, you will turn around and in a blink of an eye, you will be old before you know it. And so I heard those amens. <laughs> we better get it figured out now. So we looked at love, and, and last week we looked at wisdom. I mean, again, that may sound like an odd thing for, us to, for, me, for me to be thinking about and for us to be thinking about. Wisdom is one of the things that we better get figured out. But I'm telling you, we better get that figured out. We, I mean, I, I've known some Christians who have been Christians for, for 50 years of their life. They don't have 50 years of experience of being a Christian. They have one year of being an experience of Christian, and they live that one year over and over and over, and they never mature in their faith, and they never get to the place in their life when someone looks at them and says that they are wise beyond their years. May it be said of us that we are wise. It doesn't matter how old we are. May it be said of us that we are wise beyond our years. Because we've been answering that question that I I encourage you to ask this, this past week. What is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? And so today we're turning our attention uh, to the church. We're turning our attention to, uh, to the church somewhere along the line. Somewhere along the line, the kingdom of God became personal spirituality, and and Sunday gatherings became services. Somewhere along the line, the church became a place where individuals could gather on Sunday for one hour and feed their precious souls. The church was not created by God, and Jesus Christ did not die for the church so we could have, an hour, so we could have a one-hour and 15-minute service. That's not why God created the church, and that's not why Jesus died for the church. God did not create the church, and Jesus did not, did not die for the church so that a preacher could come up and preach for 25 minutes while, while passive parishioners sat in pews. That's not why God created the church, and that's not why Jesus came and died. God did not create the church, and Jesus Christ did not die upon the cross so that we would have our itchy ears scratched or, would, or so that preachers could have their egos fed or, that we could, or so that we could gather together yet stay disconnected. That's not why God created the church, and that's not, that's not why Jesus Christ died. It's as if. It's as if the the modern church is like a a shopping mall. People park their nice cars and they enter into the building and they get what they want and they go back out into the car and they go out and eat. (laughs) But that's not community and that's not church either. Our scripture today is, I, I think, such a 
such a meaningful scripture. Many of you have probably heard this passage before. In fact, I have one of my best friends in ministry is, is the pastor of Acts 2 United Methodist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. I, I've, known, I've known Mark um, and, and, and his wife, Chantel. We've known them for, for right around 20 years. In fact, the first time that I met Mark and Chantel, they were on a plane to go to a, a church planting seminar. <laughs> it was the very first time and I met them. I met them at the airport in Oklahoma City. And since then, their church now is almost 20 years old, and it's named Acts 2 United Methodist Church, and it comes specifically from verses um, 42 through 47. Hear these, hear these words again. This is, what the, this is what the early church was about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had, had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a beautiful description of, of what the church is intended to be. I'll tell you, over the last 20 years, I have, I have studied the church. And when I'm, when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the church with the big C. Certainly, I have... I mean, I, I, know, I knew more about First United Methodist Church than you would ever imagine 15 years ago. I, I am a, I, I'm a student of, of the church. I'm a student of Oklahoma United Methodist Churches. I could probably tell you within 20 or 30 people in attendance what every 535 United Methodist Churches average in worship attendance. I've studied it over the years. I've studied it very closely for the last 20 years, but not just United Methodist Churches in Oklahoma. I have studied the church universal. I have been involved in, in, in district events and, and annual conference events now at a general conference level. I, have, I, I mean, I, I have studied the, the church a lot, and I have found that the Western church especially, especially the Western church, has come so far from where, from where I believe God created us to be and who Jesus died for us to be. We have come so far from where God had originally intended. This past week in my weekly email, in our church's weekly email, I, I, I sent, um, I included in my article this week a, a list, a list of some things that uh, show, up in the, um, uh, show up in this article. I, I think it's maybe our, here on our next slide. It, um, a guy by the name of Scott McKnight wrote a book, and the title of the book was One Life. Some of the thoughts and ideas from that book, I've included uh, some uh, in this sermon series. And, and this, um, in this chapter about the church, uh, he says that this, this is a good list of what the church was about in the early, in the early days. 
The church was about friendship and and teaching the faith and common meals and spirituality and worship and holistic care for one another and integrity and growth. And there are some things that we, we as First Church, we are really, really good about. I mean, I, I can't I can't say enough good things about our worship. There are, there's some power in our worship here at First Church, and it's been like that for a long, long time. For decades and decades, First Church was known uh, 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 by our passion in worship. We are passionate for worship. We are really good at caring for one another. W- one of the things that I, that, are, that I quickly recognized when I stepped into First Church is how much First Church cares for one another. We are, we are nurturing one another. We are people of integrity. We are, uh, we, we are wonderful at, at, at teaching the faith as well. But there are some things I would suggest on this list. And, and again, this list is what Scott McKnight says comes directly from our passage of Scripture. This is what our this is what the early church was about. There are some things on this list that we as First Church, we better get figured out. We, bet, we better get figured out. And I, I just want to quickly mention uh, three, three, of those, three of those today. The first is friendship. We, we, better, we better get this figured out. Fellowship is, is, what, we, is what we have here in the, in the Scripture. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And, they, uh, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. I mean, you see, they, it was more than just coming to church and, and say, you know, I, I've, again, I've been around church for 47 years of my life. I know the standard church greeting. How are you today? Oh, fantastic. How are you today? Good. And you go on by. Here's what I found is that children understand this way quicker than adults understand this. Children understand that the church is a place uh, to truly make friends. You see, I believe that, that, church, that, that, that we're not necessarily, I mean, at the very least, we're looking for a friendly church, but what we're really looking for is a place to, to make friends. Did you, did you get that? Did you get that? I, most of us would say we, at the very least, want a friendly place, but what we're really looking for is a place to make friends. And if the church isn't that place, folks are going to find somewhere else. Because in this modern world, in this postmodern world, in this age of social media where we are so closely connected, we are not closely connected at all. We are connected by some sort of facade that we're putting on social media. And people are looking for a place to belong. People are looking for a place to belong. Again, children recognize that quicker than anyone else. I've seen it time and again, time and again with our children. I've seen it at our children's gatherings when there was someone that maybe our kids didn't know at all, and they just they just embraced them. I remember uh, last Christmas time. It wasn't this year; it was the year before. We had a, our Christmas program, and we had a family that came from my previous church. And their little girl was here at our Christmas program. And so our, our children were doing our, you know, the little nativity scene. And they, 
the kids of our church invited her in to come in and she wore, she wore a little shepherd's costume, I think, or maybe she was an angel and she just fit in like the rest of the crowd. Uh, our kids recognize this. They do. I've, I've seen it time and time and time again. Here's what I found. And this is what studies have shown. If a first-time guest doesn't know the names of at least seven people within the first six months that they are at a church, they won't be at that church after six months. So let, let me tell you this. Let me tell you who are gathered here this. If you aren't getting to know at least six other people or seven other people that during your time here at First Church, you're not going to stay around this church. It's the way it is. It's just the way it is. I've found it to be true time and time and time again. If you're relying upon this gathering time right here to be your only connection with the church, I'll tell you, chances are you're not going to be here within six months. It may be it may be that you have, been found, you have found yourself kind of uh, jumping from one church to another to another, just kind of dabbling around in churches, flirting with churches, or just kind of playing church. It may be that this is the very reason, that you're never truly investing into the life of the church, stepping. Now, by the way, let me tell you, I completely understand this. I completely understand this. I know how difficult it is to, uh, to finally commit to a church. I mean, I'll tell you, every single church, including First Church, is full of kind of weird people. <laughs> we're weird. Christians are kind of weird. We're, 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 we're awkward. We, we are. I recognize that. My sermons aren't always good. You may, I mean, you know, if you get half of my sermons that aren't cringeworthy, you are do. I mean, we're, I've, I've consider that a, I consider that a success. Uh, for one, give it a little bit of time. Give me some time. But then I would, I would tell you, get involved. Beginning, begin meeting people. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I would tell newer folks uh, to the life of First Church. But I would also remind our existing folks here at First Church. People are, are at the very least looking for a friendly church, but they are looking for a place where they can make friends. And so if we're not going out to eat after church with someone that we don't know, I think that we're failing as a church. If you're not doing that, if, if you're not inviting someone, specifically inviting someone to your small group or your Sunday school class, we're not being the church. We've got to get this right. We've got to get this figured out, what it means um, to, to, be, to be in fellowship or, or to be a, a place where we can make friends. The second thing, the second thing that, I would, um, that comes, I think, out of this passage of Scripture is a commitment to growth, a commitment to growth. Here, here at First Church, what, we have, what we've recognized, and I've been clear about this, since 1998, this church has been on a, uh, in, a, in decline since 1998. That's just, that's just, I mean, that's the reality. And I'll tell you, it is not out of the ordinary at all. For an urban downtown church, I don't, I, across the United States, I know of maybe three or four that's not found themselves in the position that we find ourselves 
I mean, major cities like Kansas City and Houston and Dallas and Chicago and New York City, almost all of them have downtown urban United Methodist churches that have found themselves in the exact same position that we have found ourselves. And again, since I have studied across the denomination and even across Christendom, what I've come, what I've come to recognize is that we are absolute, I mean, the church has lost our zeal to reach out. The church has lost our evangelistic zeal. But let me tell you, let me tell you, here, here at First Church, I want us to be absolutely and completely unapologetic about our desire to grow and to get more people. I want us to be absolutely unapologetic about that. I, want, I think one of the things that, well, you know, we don't, we don't want to infringe on anyone. And I mean, we're not to say that we're any better, better than any other church. And we love all churches. And certainly we do. Certainly we do. I pray for the other churches in downtown Oklahoma City. Just uh, last week, I think it was, or the week before, we were at a prayer meeting at a new church start in Bricktown, and we, we worshiped together. The staff and I worshiped together with, with, um, with pastors and staffs from, I don't know, I think there were about 15 other churches there. I mean, we, we are praying for other churches. We want, them, we want them success, but we also are unapologetic that we want First Church to grow, not because we want more people, I'll tell you, my job would be way easier if we stayed this size. We don't, I mean, I don't want more people so that I'll get a raise. I don't want that. I don't want more people so I can feed my ego. No, we want more people because we recognize that every single moment there are people slipping into eternity that don't know the love of God through Jesus Christ. And we have a gospel of Jesus Christ that is a saving gospel. And we believe that people's lives will be different after they come into contact with this loving and gracious God. And we believe that here at First Church, we have a unique take on how we present the gospel. Amen. And we also believe that God is not done with us. Amen. You know, in that 1980s and 1990s, this church, um, this church was was in the top one or two in the state of Oklahoma among United Methodists in growth. You know why? Because this church was unapologetic. They wanted to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, we have seen God do it once. We believe he's gonna do it again. We believe he's gonna do it again. The final thing. Oh, and by the way, take, it's taken from scripture. I am astounded. I am absolutely astounded. And in the book of Acts, we find that God is adding to their number daily who are being saved. They weren't counting their baptisms by the year. They were counting them by the day. Come on, Lord, do it again. The final thing that I would say that we will find here in scripture, uh, Scott McKnight called it spirituality. But what I, what I have found, uh, what I have found is that it really is a, an openness to the work uh, and to the person of the Holy Spirit. We find it time and again in, in the book of Acts. The, Act, the book of Acts was, is named the Acts of the Apostles. But I think, and I, along with a number of other folks, think that the, a better name for the book of Acts should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the whole story is about. 
It's the acts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit entered into those early apostles, those, those 12 disciples, and it turned Peter from someone who had denied he even knew Jesus three times to preaching the very first Christian sermon. And there were 5,000 people who came to faith in Jesus Christ because, Paul, because Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. We, we find the apostles that had been huddled together in the upper room after the death and even resurrection of Jesus. It wasn't the resurrection of Jesus that emboldened them. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that fell upon them on the day of Pentecost. Weird things started happening on the day of Pentecost, by the way. They began, to, they began to speak in these unknown languages. No one else knew what in the world was going on, and it freaked everybody completely out. They thought they were drunk. When was the last time you were in worship and someone asked you, are you drunk? <laughs> Come on, Lord. Peter, again, he had, denied, he had denied he even knew Jesus three times, even, even cursed, began to, began to swear such and such and so and so. I, didn't even, I don't even know him. The power of the Holy Spirit so fell upon him that by the time we get to, I believe it's chapter four of Acts, people had been flocking to the disciples because they were seeing miracles, they were seeing healings, they were seeing the dead brought to life. They were flocking and hoping, they, were, they, they would lay out alongside the road, hoping that only the shadow of Peter would fall over them and they would be healed. I'll tell you, there are times in our church that I think that we are a bit afraid of what God may or may not be doing. And if we're going to be the church that God has called us to do, we must be completely, completely and absolutely open to the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. Whatever that looks like. And I'll tell you, I... I mean, I, uh, First Church is, is one, of the most, um, one of the most open churches to the move of the Holy Spirit in the United Methodist Church in Oklahoma. I, I know of maybe three or four other churches that, that have been, I mean, that maybe even more open to the work uh, and, and move of the Spirit. But I will tell you, and I'm, I mean, as I look back on the history of First Church, uh, that's been part of our history, but I will tell you it is also part of our future. Amen. And I don't know what that means. I don't know. This is getting out there. I mean, I'm in deep water here, I'll tell you. I, I mean, I, I've, I've seen the, the move and the work of the Holy Spirit in the last uh, six months to a year more than I have seen it in my 20 plus, or 20 plus years combined. There's something going on here in the life of First Church. Many people have experienced it the moment they come in those doors. By the way, I was visiting with someone uh, just this past week. We were having a prayer time here in our chapel. And she reminded me, and I'd heard these stories, that whenever, whenever this church was being built, after the bombing, when this sanctuary was being built, there were people who would come in and, and, just, and just start praying over this ground. 
they kind of knew where, kind of around about where the pews were going to be, and they uh, just walking, walking, walking through the sanctuary. It wasn't here yet. It was open air at that time, maybe even a little bit of frame up. Uh, they just sort of walking through here, and they were praying for you right, right where you are. There, there have been pastors upon pastors that have done prayer walks around this church. Many of us have recognized when you walk into this place, there's something, there's something different here. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't always get it. Again, this is way beyond my understanding. I mean, I'm out in deep water for me. But I believe, I truly believe, and, and it's not just me. There are so many others that have sensed that God is doing something different this time. God is doing something deeper this time. God is doing something even more miraculous than what we've even seen here at First Church before. The Spirit was upon those, that early church. The Spirit was upon that early church. I am, I am positive that the disciples, um, they, they got a little nervous with some of the things that they saw. <laughs> I mean, these, these were good Jewish Christians. There was a way in which to worship. There was, a prop, there was propriety in worship. And I know for certain that there were some things going on in worship and they were just going, whoa, whoa, this is beyond what we're comfortable with here, Peter or James or John or any of the other disciples. But God was doing something. And so here's my encouragement to you. Here's my encouragement to you. If we're going to be the kind of church that God has called us to be, here's my encouragement to you. Just simply get out of the way. Simply get out of the way and, and set aside your power and your control and authority, issues of authority. Set aside your egos. Set aside even your own needs. Set, set, set all those things aside and simply come before the Lord, asking that, that, that the Lord would truly send friends into your life. Not just friends, but, but lifelong friendships, life-giving and life-changing friendships, that God would send more people. I mean, this is a bold prayer, I'll tell you, especially in the modern United Methodist Church, when we recognize that since 1968, we have gone from 12 million members to 7 million members here in the United States. That first church, we have declined the way that we have declined. It is a bold and audacious prayer to pray that God would send us more people. But that's my prayer. God, send us more people. And we promise that we will be absolutely and completely open to the move of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Lord. Come and, come and do it again. Would you bow with me? Well, God, we thank you. We thank you for your move among us. God, we don't, we don't have this thing, we don't have church figured out, we don't. I mean, we recognize that we come with our, own, with our own needs and we've come here today to have, at times, at times, even I've come here today to, to, hit, to have my own itchy ears scratched and, and, and for you to just tell me what I want, what I want to hear. God, we believe that we believe you've sent all of us here to have lifelong Christian friendships and to be able to con be connected with one another, not as disconnected individuals, but as a unified body of Christ, 
all working together. We believe that you have called us here today to, uh, so, that, so that others can come into the faith in Jesus Christ, that others, more people, will come to know you through the life of our church. God, we believe that you've brought us here today to be completely and absolutely open to the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come and anoint us afresh and anew. Spirit, you are you are the presence of God Himself. You are the witness of Jesus Christ in our lives. Come and dwell in us. Come and abide in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, come and do your work today. Change us. Anoint us. Refresh us. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you stand?